Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. This is the first weekend of a very special sermon series called Foolproof. And uh, you might find the tagline a little bit intimidating, but here it is. How to handle money in uncertain times. Aren't you glad you made it today? We started out, Pastor Gary, kicking us off with lots of laughing. Then we had this energetic worship service, and now we're gonna talk about money. But I thought this sermon series authored by my dear friend Chris Philbeck would be appropriate given just the reality of what we have been living through these past few years. Because of the COVID pandemic, we are living in unprecedented and uncertain times, and there is absolutely no question that the financial lives of more people than we can begin to imagine have been impacted in very negative ways. We've seen that for the last two years. Now we're seeing the economic fallout. We've seen rising gas prices. Anybody notice? You hear about the soaring inflation rates. In the headlines lately, the Fed, they say they're gonna increase interest rates. And if you read about that, they're worried that might decrease home values. And it's just a scary time if we dwell too deeply on those things. But we are passing through this time of year. We often talk about, it's still the new year. We talk about renewal. And I don't think there's a better topic to talk about at this moment, this season, than money. And very specifically, very practically, how God wants us to handle the money that he has entrusted to us. Now, I know many of you are still getting to know me, but I want you to know that I believe the Bible is the single best book ever written when it comes to money management. Well, actually, it's just the single best book ever written, amen? When it comes to money management, there's no better book out there. Especially the book of Proverbs, which is filled with simple and practical instructions on handling money, as well as potentially bringing some positive light in what in some ways seems like a dark economic season. And one of the things that I love the most about the book of Proverbs, whether it's talking about handling money or any of the other practical realities of life, is the book of Proverbs shows us the difference between someone who is wise and someone who is foolish. Let me give you some examples. Proverbs chapter one, verses five through seven says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Skip a few verses, it says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. I could give you more and more verses like this, but I I love these distinctions, and I love the fact that it's clear about how we fall into the category of either being wise or being foolish based on how we choose to live our lives. Like the author of the book of Proverbs, he's, he's putting the choice squarely with us. And so what does it mean to be wise? 
Well, in the Old Testament of the Bible, wisdom was seen as keen insight into life and how to best deal with problems. And so to choose wisdom is to choose the best way to deal with the problems of life. And then foolishness, on the other hand, it's not a lack of intellect, it's not a lack of intelligence, it's a propensity to make impractical choices, choices that just don't work, choices that don't make things better, choices that make things worse. And so the book of Proverbs is mostly authored by King Solomon. It shares wise advice on how to deal with life's problems in in, in practical ways that make things better, not worse. And the truth is, wise people follow Solomon's advice. Foolish people forsake his advice. And that brings us to our big idea for today. Those who want financial freedom, those who desire financial freedom, those who would seek financial freedom, those pursuing financial freedom will practice the wisdom of Solomon when it comes to money management. You know, one of the most consistent truths that are found throughout God's word is God's ability to use the worst of circumstances to strengthen us. Perhaps that's something you've noticed in your life. God can use the bad to make things really good. And he can show us in the hard times, he can show us how to be stronger and and he can accomplish his purposes in us in those hard times. That is actually one of the primary messages, one of the central messages in the life of the Old Testament character, Joseph, in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. And perhaps you already know the story of Joseph, but if if not, let me just give you a real quick synopsis, a short summary. Joseph is a a boy, and he is sold into slavery as as a teenage boy by his jealous brothers, and after dealing with significant trials by the power and the providence of God, he becomes, improbable as it may seem, second in command in Egypt. He goes from slave in Egypt to a prince of Egypt. And then with his God-given ability to interpret dreams, Joseph predicts to the Pharaoh that during the next seven years in Egypt, there will be plenty of everything, but then the following seven years will be famine. There's going to be a season of, of just incredible surplus, and then there's going to be a season of recession, of depression, of difficulty, of famine. And in response, Pharaoh appoints Joseph to make preparations for the coming famine. And because of Joseph's effectiveness in managing the resources of Egypt, many lives are saved including the lives of his brothers who had earlier betrayed him. It's really one of the most incredible stories in the entire Bible. Now, I'm not suggesting that our pandemic has been similar to Egypt's seven-year famine under Pharaoh, but I gotta admit, after two years, it's starting to feel like seven years. But there's no question that this season of our lives has put many people into incredible financial difficulty and financial hardship. And I believe it would be foolish of us to go through that level of hardship without learning some important lessons about how to handle money. And so that's what I wanna talk about in this series. Today specifically, I've got three lessons that everyone needs to learn or or be reminded of or be challenged with as a result of the past few years, lessons only foolish people would dare to ignore. But before we talk about them, I want to make something really clear to you this morning. 
Just so you know, I like to teach one financial sermon series every year, one. Don't talk about money all the time, but once a year I like to do a sermon series because it is so important for all of us to understand what the Bible says about money management, and that includes generosity. See, the reality is we have a large church that provides all kinds of incredible ministries, both locally and globally, and it takes financial resources to do ministry. And I'm not gonna apologize for that. But I can tell you with all integrity that I desperately want all of us to experience financial peace in our lives. Of course, I want our ministries to be well-resourced. But I also want every single one of us to experience financial peace. And while I believe generosity is a big part of that, it's just one part of that. Because the truth is, it's not God's will for anyone to live in any kind of bondage. And yet so many people live in financial bondage today, but it doesn't have to be that way if we would simply embrace the wisdom of Solomon when it comes to money management. And so while I am gonna talk about giving and generosity in each of these messages, this is about so much more than giving and generosity. This is about every one of us experiencing financial peace in our lives and in our families and in our church by handling the money that God has entrusted to us, whether it's a little bit or a lot, we handle it in ways that honor him. Well, all that being said, here's the first thing that can keep you from financial foolishness or help you get to a place of financial peace. Number one, you're taking notes. Number one, make a commitment to lifelong change. Make a commitment to lifelong change. Only a fool would face some kind of serious challenge and not come out of it determined to learn from the experience so they'd be better prepared for the next challenge when it comes. And oh, by the way, it will come. And I can't tell you when it will come or how it will come or what it will look like, but I can tell you the next challenge will come. You know why? Because that's life. And life is filled with challenges. Even in the good seasons, life is hard. That's why James chapter one, verse two, James, the brother of Christ, he began his New Testament letter like this. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Right, we're gonna face trials. You don't need a lot of life experience to know that life is hard. That life is filled with trials and troubles and challenges, but, but, but here's the deal. Each challenge has the ability, it is the opportunity to make us stronger if we are willing to learn from them. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 16 says, all who are prudent, those who are wise, act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. And just in case the meaning of that proverb is not clear to you, here it is in the Good News translation. It says this, sensible people always think before they act, but stupid people advertise their ignorance. <laughs> That's pretty hard hitting, isn't it? You know, if you struggle in life when it comes to money, uh, to finances, you can do one of two things. You can blame all the other stuff, right? And there's a lot of stuff to blame, there is. We're not missing out on that here. But you can blame all the other stuff. You can make excuses about the other stuff or you can just say, it is what it is and I'm gonna make a commitment to lifelong change and I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to make things better. One of the fastest ways to financial foolishness, and I apologize if that sounds harsh, 
But one of the fastest ways to financial foolishness is to face financial trials and not learn from them and not grow from them and to continue to make those mistakes over and over and over and over again. Check out these words. Proverbs 26, 11 says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And that is not one of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> but there's no mistaking its meaning. Only a fool makes the same mistakes over and over again. And if you struggle with money, and if that's something that you struggle with over and over again, then it's time to make a commitment to change. And you can do that by focusing on what God teaches us through the wisdom of Solomon about managing money. It's the first thing you gotta say, drawing a line in the sand, this is it. From here on out, making a commitment to make it better. Number two, you gotta have a plan. You can't just hope it gets better. You don't just pray it gets better, although praying is fantastic, it's just the starting point. You gotta have a plan. Without question, one of the most foolish things you can do is manage whatever amount of money God has entrusted to you with no plan. Check out these words, Proverbs 21, five, it says the plans of the diligent lead to what? Plans lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The key word in that verse is the word plans. It's foolish to have no plan for managing whatever money you have, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot. And yet the majority of people I've talked to over the years about financial management, not only do they not have a financial plan, but they actually have no idea about their overall financial condition. They're just going day to day, week to week, paycheck to paycheck. They don't know what's coming in, they don't know what's going out. And I don't wanna to be too hard about this because I know money is a difficult subject, but we all need to understand this. And you might even write this down. How we handle money is a big deal to God. It's a big deal. And sometimes you say, oh, we don't wanna talk about that in church. We should talk about things that are big deals to God. Big deal to God. So well, why? Well, because the Bible teaches us that it's God's in the first place. That everything belongs to God. Psalm 24, one says, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So it's his stuff, it all belongs to him. We're not managing our stuff, we're managing his stuff and he wants us to take care of it. But that requires a plan. So let me give you some examples. What would be some examples of having a plan in the way you manage the money that you have? Here's, here's one, example number one. You need to spend less than you earn. This is huge. You gotta spend less than you earn. I mean, no one will ever experience financial peace in their life until they make a plan to spend less than they earn, and you make a plan to spend less than you earn by creating and living on a budget. Yeah, budgeting's hard work. Yeah, it is but you gotta live on less than you make. Proverbs 21, 20 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools do what? They spend everything they have. They gulp theirs down. And I know this can be a difficult thing for some people, but again, you will never experience financial peace in your life until you have an active working plan to spend less than you earn. And it doesn't matter if you make a little or if you make a lot, you can make a lot of money and be broke if you spend more than you earn. So you gotta spend less than you earn. Example number two, another part of a plan could be to create an emergency fund. 
One of the things that amazes me most about managing money is the fact that most people manage their money as if nothing bad is ever gonna happen. We just mentioned life is hard, bad things happen, bad things do happen from broken up marriages to broken down cars. And yet so many people live their lives like they're bulletproof, like nothing bad is ever gonna happen to them. And as a result, they never have emergency savings for emergency needs. And so when something comes along like a pandemic and causes people, and we saw this a few years ago, furloughed from their jobs, work less for less money, lose their jobs completely, or now we see the cost of energy increasing and all those things, and we have nothing left to fall back on. Proverbs 27, verse one, it says this, it says, you don't know what a day may bring. One of the fundamental realities of life is that life is filled with uncertainty. And so we've gotta have faith and we've gotta have hope. We've gotta have trust in God. We also need to be prepared because we don't know what a day may bring. How about Proverbs 27, 12? It says, the prudent, the wise see danger and they take refuge. But the simple, the foolish, just keep on going and pay the penalty. So it would be wise to build an emergency fund as a refuge against future dangers. Here's the third thing, example, huge, so important. Avoid debt. I mean, avoid debt at all costs. If you're in debt, get out of debt as quickly as possible. And I know debt is such a difficult issue, so I'm gonna try to be sensitive here, and I just wanna say the Bible doesn't expressly prohibit debt. It doesn't say that debt is a sin, but at the same time, it doesn't have much positive to say about debt either. Now here's something it does say, Proverbs 22, seven says, the borrower is slave to the lender. And that's a powerful verse because it reveals the fundamental problem with debt. Whenever you go into debt, you lose a little bit of your freedom. Whether the lender is a credit card company or a bank or a car dealership or a furniture store or a family member, when you borrow from them, they own a piece of you. And there is no greater enemy to financial peace than debt. And, and, and this is why this is important. This is the bigger picture. When debt keeps you from being able to live the life that God calls you to live, and, and I'm talking about living a life of generosity and responding to a calling from God to do good deeds and to meet others' needs, then it becomes a real problem. You see, it goes from being just a financial problem to being a spiritual problem problem. What I mean to say is this, debt is one of the most deceptive things in our world. Again, not sin, but deceptive. And how does the Bible describe our enemy, the devil? He is the great what? He's the great deceiver. Debt is deceptive. And debt's deceptive because people go into debt believing it will give them the ability to enjoy life more, but it, what it ends up doing is limiting your ability to enjoy life because of the constant stress it brings. And, and debt is also deceptive because it, it gives you this, this belief that, that you have more money. I mean, that's the way it feels when you're swiping the credit card, but that's just an illusion. Debt isn't giving you more money, it's costing you more money. And finally, debt is deceptive because it makes you feel like you're getting ahead, right? It gives you a newer car or a nicer house, but in the end, debt will keep you from reaching your financial goals. It's hard to save money for the future when so much of it has already been spoken for because of your debt load. It's one of the quickest ways to financial foolishness is by going deeply into debt. 
And the fourth example that I would share for a financial plan is that you, that you are saving for the future. You are saving for the future. And I, I know that, that, uh, that we're getting short on time here. I need to be quick, but I wanna go back to a verse we've already talked about. Proverbs 21 verse five says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. You know, there's, there's a time, there will be a time for all of us. We're all gonna come to a point in life where we say, I don't wanna work anymore, right? For some, that will be retirement. Some, it'll be an early retirement, a late retirement. For some, that'll be disability. But we're gonna get to a place to say, I, I don't wanna work anymore. I wanna shift what I'm doing to something new, to this new thing, new season in life. And when that time comes, we have to be prepared or it will never come. And without question, the best verse in the Bible to guide us in this is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, which says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little, little by little, little by little, makes it grow. The Bible makes it clear that saving for the future, that's not a lack of faith. Saving for the future is an important part of managing the money that God has entrusted to us. And Solomon makes it clear that we can save for the future if we'll just start early and we'll just save little by little, save a little at a time. And of course we need to remember that saving for the future and hoarding wealth are two different things. The Bible never tells us to hoard money. We'll talk about that next week or two. But we also need to remember that everything we have belongs to God, even our savings for the future. It all belongs to him. And that's why this is so important. And that's why this conversation is so important. Well, I'm gonna give you a little self-disclosure, tell you my story, my financial story a little bit. Uh, we moved to Chicagoland in November of 2006. Moved from Missouri. And when we moved, 29 years old, two kids, we'd saved nothing. I mean, literally Nothing not an extra dime to our name. We moved to Chicago to plant a church. We didn't have like a church helping us with moving costs. We did, had to use this big yard sale, garage sale, just to be able to have the money to move. And we moved to Illinois and to, to top off just the cost of movement, we had this incredible sticker shock at the price of houses from Missouri to Illinois, only one state over. We had bought our five bedroom, two bathroom house in Missouri for $95,000 in 2003. And we go to, the Chicago area, similar house, minimum 200,000, or really 250, 300,000 in 2007. Like, how are we even gonna buy a house? We knew that we had not done the things necessary at that point in our life. We knew we were gonna have to start managing our money differently, and the truth is we had never had a financial plan before then. We had never saved any money before then. We had never spent less than we earned before then because we had credit cards, and we were in all kinds of debt, and I'm talking, just to be honest, $15,000 in credit card debt, 30,000 in car loan debt, and we go to Illinois with nothing, and to afford a home in Illinois, we knew we were gonna have to create a financial plan that included us not spending more than we earned, and creating an emergency fund, and avoiding debt, and not just avoiding any future debt, in fact, we just cut up our credit cards back then, because we knew we couldn't handle it. But then working relentlessly to get out of debt and all the while saving for the future and it, and it took us five years and it was five years of hard work from the age of 30 to 35, it took us five years to dig out of debt, 
but we did it because we made a commitment to lifelong change. And now 15 years later, we've stuck with that commitment because we managed our money with a plan. But then I want you to know the third thing, and it is so very important part of this process. We did it, I think most importantly, because we decided that all the way through, we would continue to be generous. And even while we were working relentlessly to live beneath our means and pay off that debt and save for the future, we never stopped giving. And we're gonna talk about this more as we get further into this series, but I just wanna leave you with these words from Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. It says this, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. We never stop giving, and God provided for us in unexplainable, perhaps you would even say miraculous ways. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, I'm just gonna be really blunt here, and I'm gonna say only a fool would look at what the Bible says about generosity and then choose not to be generous. One person gives freely yet gains even more. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Generosity will always be the choice of a wise person because the Bible is very clear. Our generosity to others opens the floodgates of God's generosity. And we're gonna talk more about that as well. But let me close with this. Every single one of us would be much better off if we thought of ourselves not as, stu- not as owners, but as managers. Managers of a trust. That everything we have, our time, our talents, our influence, our resources, yes, even our money, those are things that God has entrusted to us with the expectation that we will use those things to honor him and to help others. And so the question that we all ask is, how much do I have? That's not the right question. The question is not, how much have I been given? The question is, how am I managing what I've been given? And am I doing it in a way that honors God and blesses the world he's created? Every day we would do well to remember the words of Jesus from Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And so I would just ask you to listen to my plea as we close. God is not going to ignore our foolishness in managing what he has entrusted to us, and neither will he ignore our wisdom in managing what he has entrusted to us. He will bless us for using wisdom. Many promises in scripture related to both. Proverbs 17, 16 says, what use is money in the hands of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom? The first step to financial peace is choosing wisdom. And my prayer with this series is that we, that that me, that you, that all of us together, even as a church, as we manage the resources that God has given this church, that we will always choose the wisdom of Solomon. And so with that, I wanna give you our takeaway for today, and then we'll be done. Make the wise choice to listen to every sermon in this series on money. 
be fully connected to FCC by making the wise choice to listen to every message, a short three-week sermon series. Because here's the deal, the natural reaction might be, well, we're gonna have a series like this. Let's just turn it off and tune it out. You know, I'll, I'll take a time out from church in the month of February. I don't need that. I don't need God's wisdom. I don't need Solomon's wisdom. Or You probably wouldn't say that, but you might say, I don't need Pastor Matt's commentary on money. But I don't think that would be wise. In fact, I think it would be foolish to look at an opportunity to turn your life around. The opportunity to potentially change the generational trajectory of your family. The opportunity to put yourself in a place where when you see needs, you can experience the joy of being able to meet those needs. To see that opportunity and say, no thanks. Please don't do that. My prayer is that we will choose wisdom when it comes to money management so that we can better honor God, so that we can experience financial freedom, and so that we can do the very most blessed thing in this world there is to do, and that is to live generously. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to honor you by managing our money according to the wisdom of Solomon. Help us to commit to lifelong change. Help us to manage our money with a good plan because we know it's actually yours. And help us to be generous in everything as you have been so generous with us. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.